How are y'all? Good. Good. Very good. Well, the last time I was here, standing in this place, was December the 10th. And as you might recall, those of you that were here, I was really looking forward to Christmas. Yeah. It was December 10th. School was going to be over on December 15th. And I was going to have three full weeks to do nothing but celebrate Christmas, New Year's, and relax. Then, on December the 20th, in the evening, I got this little tickle right here in my throat. Didn't think a whole lot about it. But by the next evening, I was flat on my back, talking gibberish with fever, and diagnosed with type A flu. A flu. A lot can happen in a short time. Life comes at us fast. One minute feeling great, the next thinking that death would be a great relief. Ironically, I had already started working on a sermon that I was supposed to speak last week. So thanks, Dustin, for covering last week. And that sermon was based on this idea of wellness. Yeah, sick on my back thinking about wellness. Spiritual welcome, wellness, the start of a new year, resolutions. It seemed like a logical, obvious way to go that first Sunday in January. It's the go-to sermon for pastors around the world on the first Sunday of the new year. Well, I'm going to stick with my original plan, but getting majorly sick has kind of changed the flow of what I have for you this morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are an awesome God. Thank you for your love for us. And Father, thank you for your promise of being with us when we gather together. So I welcome you to us this morning. Speak to us. Uh, touch our hearts this morning as we look at your word together. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I discovered something. I discovered that I feel significantly better when I'm working out. I'm 76. About six years ago, I decided I was going to change my life. And it started very innocuously. I was visiting, I was actually starting to attend a new church. And I was very, very new. I got in and it was between services and the worship team was out in the lobby, kind of, you know, talking amongst themselves and you do the usual thing, hi, I'm Denny, I'm a teacher, what do you do? And the first person I talked to said, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm a fitness trainer. And I said, whoa, you know, that's something that I often thought I should do. And he said, well, why don't you? I said, well, yeah, I'm old. Uh, and he said, and? On the way home, I thought, you know what, he's right. And so I hired him a couple times a week. And I do. I discovered that I feel significantly better when I'm working out at the gym. And I feel even better when I'm not just at the gym, but that I'm actually pushing myself, exercising, straining. Apostle Paul is correct in what he has to say in 1 Timothy 4.8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. 
By the way, if, if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, we have Bibles in the lobby, and we would love to give you one this morning. So before you leave, make sure you stop by and ask one of the people that are out there if you could have a Bible. We'd love for you to have one. Back to that verse. But training for godliness is much better. And so this morning, as we're still at the start of a new year, are you training for godliness? How's your spiritual health? As I was preparing for this morning, I went to my current coach, my current trainer, Brennan White. Brennan, if you're listening online this morning, this is a shout out to you and a thank you. Uh, and I asked him, I said, Brennan, uh, when you're thinking about what you would think are the three most important factors for good physical health, what, what would you think of? And so he, we're going to go through three of those things this morning and apply them to our spiritual health. We're going to start with this, cardio, having to do with the heart, with the lungs, yes, amen, breathing, getting the blood flowing. Our Bibles have a lot to say about the heart. Above all else, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Scripture is clear that our hearts are hugely important as far as our well-being and health are concerned, both physically and spiritually. And it's interesting. As Christian, Christians, we toss that word heart around a lot. On one hand, we know that our heart is our body's most important organ. It keeps us alive. It circulates blood. It's needed. It's the wellspring of life. Scripture adds more to this. Uh, out of the evil thoughts, Matthew 15, 19, evil thoughts come out of our heart. And it tells us in John, watch out, don't let your hearts be dulled. And then there's other verses in John that promises living water flowing from the heart. Lots of things going on in our hearts. The King James Version alone mentions the heart 500, no, take that back, 856 times. So what are we talking about when scriptures talk about the heart? I love a definition of heart that I read, and it actually comes from the University of Michigan. The heart is the locus, the center of physical and spiritual well-being. It represents central wisdom of feeling as opposed to the head wisdom of reason. It is compassion and understanding, life-giving, complex. It's the symbol for love. It's often known as the seat of our emotions. The heart is synonymous with affection. Where's my affection this morning? Gang, all of us, our core beings, our hearts 
need to be transformed and they need to be strengthened. So what can we do, as Paul encourages, when we're training for godliness? What can we do? Well, I can promise you that when I'm doing physical exercise for my heart, my routine begins with doing cardio. I'm running or walking on a treadmill. I'm climbing steps. I'm doing push-ups. Whatever it takes to get the old ticker moving. And just like our physical hearts, having a healthy spiritual heart requires some work, requires some exercising. Yes, absolutely, we are saved by faith in the grace of God, but we can't ignore all the verbs that indicate what we ought to be doing as believers to strengthen our relationship with Jesus. It requires more than knowledge. For instance, we may know that we need to be grateful, hopeful, forgiving, etc., etc. And on our own, we really can't do that. Our heart, our innermost core beings, as fallen creatures, our hearts must need to be renewed and transformed by Jesus Christ. God has to create a new heart within us, something that he longs to do. We're all born with spiritual heart disease. Jeremiah reminds us that we have sick hearts. And a bit later in the book of Jeremiah, the same prophet writes that God will give us hearts to know him. In Ezekiel, God promises to give us a new heart and put a new spirit within us. If you have recognized Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the one who died and rose again for you, you've asked him to save you. His spirit now resides in your heart. He gives you power to be thankful, to be forgiving, to be loving. He gives you hope. He alone gives you the spirit that allows you to be forgiving. Have you called on him this morning? Have you recognized that you're a sinner? Have you accepted his saving grace? If so, praise God. And I know many in this room, perhaps all of you, have recognized Jesus as your savior and you've accepted God's free gift of salvation. If you haven't, I know Kevin and Dustin, our pastors, would love to talk to you after the service. I'd love to talk to you after the service. We want you all to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We want you to start on your road to following, to walking with Jesus. For those of you who are believers, how can we exercise our spiritual hearts, spiritual cardio. Well, number one, let's determine our hearts to the Lord. Second Corinthians 3.16 reminds us that whenever we turn our hearts to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We see more clearly. Years ago, I was speaking at, at a church, and as I approached the pulpit, right on the pulpit, it said, Gentlemen, we would see Jesus. A reminder that that particular congregation 
wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. They wanted to know Jesus more intimately. There's a hymn that we used to sing years ago. Some of you may remember this. It goes like this. I'm not going to sing. Trust me. <laughs> don't, no, 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 no. We, we don't want that. But the words are like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Guess what happens? The things of the world just grow strangely dim in the light of his mercy and grace. Do we daily focus on Jesus Loving on our Savior, deliberately seeking Him, talking to Him, listening to what He has to say to us. I encourage you, if you don't have some kind of a daily plan, I, I remember the first time Dustin spoke, he mentioned the version uh, plans that are devotionals that are on uh, version on our phones and computers. Use it. It's a wonderful way to start your day. Kickstart your day. Whether you use that devotional guide or another, or, or you read through the Psalms, or even better, pray through the Psalms, great way. Even before you get out of bed in the morning, jumpstart the day with Jesus. You also might want to try exercising forgiveness. Now, it's good for the heart. And gang, I'm not just talking about forgiving other people. In fact, what I'm talking about this morning is that we need to exercise our own spiritual hearts and remind us that Paul told us in Hebrews chapter 10, if anyone wants to look for this later, he tells us that our hearts are sprinkled with an evil conscience. And I can promise you, that the more we focus on Jesus, we're going to become more sin sensitive. The more I, the more we seek Jesus in our lives, his spirit will point out areas of our lives that need to be cleaned up. Areas that may need some work. Areas that need strengthened. We need to recognize those areas of our lives that are holding us back, that are causing us to stumble, and as we pray for forgiveness, we need to let the guilt go. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. A healthy heart is a heart that's been forgiven. And once forgiven... The Holy Spirit begins a process of something we churchy folk call sanctification. The process of transforming us, transforming us into the image of our Savior. The Spirit is training us for godliness, ongoing cleansing. Don't you love the idea of being transformed so that we're looking like Jesus? Don't you want to be like your savior? Don't you want to be like your, your master, your friend, your, the one who loves you more? I, I mean, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be Christ-like. Okay, getting back to this idea of being health, physically healthy. I guarantee you that when I'm working out with a mentor or a trainer, I'm working out 
smarter. And I'm also working out more strenuously than when I'm trying to work out by myself. Now, my trainer, Brennan, is probably about 30. He'd make a good poster boy for the gym. At 70 plus years old, I could spend every hour of every day for the rest of my life, and I ain't gonna look like Brennan. Ain't happening. But he can guide me and give me pointers as to being the best that I can be at my age. And you know, the Holy Spirit's doing that in each of us as we consistently turn to God. As we turn ourselves over to him, as we learn from him, he's transforming us. And there's an additional benefit. There's health in numbers. When I'm working out at the gym and their friends are, are there, I work out harder. God's given us brothers and sisters all around us to encourage us, to push us onward, to push us to become better. Spiritual workouts, if you will. As I was working through my own particular sin-addicted lifestyle, it wasn't until I was appointed to James 5.16, that's on the screen, and read, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. As believers, we're part of a family. So when I'm talking about confessing my sins to somebody else, I'm not talking about just randomly sharing all the dirt and grime and all too often that just leads to gossip and speculation. But when I read that passage with a tight group of brothers, mentors, friends, confessing the times I failed or as Brother Dustin stated last week, the times we wonder. When I began confessing to that group of men and was literally prayed over, hands-on, that's when real healing began in my life. Jesus had already forgiven me of my all-too-many sins, but the prayer support and love of those brothers simply confirmed and encouraged and allowed me the space to grow. That is the purpose of a church. Friends, Jesus died once for all. If we confess our sins to him, they're forgiven. We need to keep exercising to forgive ourselves. We need then to see us part of the reason for that is that because there's nothing that the enemy would like better than to see us return to our old ways. So we want to keep moving forward. We want to keep being transformed by God's Holy Spirit working in our lives. And we need each other. So I want you to turn to the person on either side of you and say loud and clear, we need each other. 
Oh, come on. It can be louder than that because, brothers and sisters, I need you. We need each other. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give uh, yeah, and I will give you a heart of flesh. It's all about spiritual cardio. Turning our hearts towards the Lord, exercising our faith in Him and His Word, and daily seeking forgiveness and transformation. As our hearts are being strengthened. It allows us to, as Jesus commands in Mark 12, 30, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. How's your heart this morning? When I first started working out, I did a lot of cardio, and I learned to breathe, I learned to sweat. So when I went to Brennan and asked him what he saw as the three must-dos to get healthy. He started with this idea of having a healthy core, a healthy heart. And next on the list was, do you really want to see change? In other words, are you resolved? Are you determined? Will you stick with it? Philippians, uh -huh. jumped ahead there. Philippians 3:12 to 14 reads, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Lord knows I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I like to think that all of the letters written by the apostles in the New Testament are written by spiritual fitness trainers to the fledgling churches calling on them to stay the course, to continue on, to be determined, be resolved in following Jesus. I, I, I remember the first time Brennan asked me to do a push-up. Folks, it was not pretty. <laughs> it was so sad. Uh, I hadn't done a push-up since high school, and that was 50 years earlier. And the inner voice, my body kept screaming, what in the world are you doing, Foreman? This is stupid. You know, you should just quit now. So Brennan was correct in asking me that initial question. Will you stick with it? I didn't want to. And I remember when I prayed and asked Jesus to forgive my sins. I knew my sin-sick, addictive behavior. I knew there was no way I could stop doing the things I was doing. I'd grown up hearing that my particular sin issues were something that couldn't be changed. And I had to accept Luke 137, 
that reminded me that nothing is impossible with God. Believing that nothing is impossible with God, one push-up. Pushed up, fell flat on my face again and again and again. But nothing is impossible with God. And as I kept believing that, trusting that, zeroing in on that, my faith grew, as Paul's letter to the Galatians promised. Don't grow weary in doing good, because in time, I'll reap. I'll grow if I don't give up. Resolve gets results. Hey, Daniel resolved that he wasn't going to eat the king's food and defile his diet. Isaiah, when criticized for speaking uh, God's truth, set his face like flint. In other words, he was resolved to speak God's truth, no matter what. I could go on and on throughout the pages of the Old and New Testament. I could list men and women through church history, long past and recent past, men and women who were resolved to follow Jesus through to the end. Jesus himself set his face like flint and marched towards Jerusalem, knowing full well that a showdown with the enemy was coming. And he was resolved to die for the sins of mankind. He was resolved to cry out, it is finished. He was determined to see it through to the end. Therefore, on the screen behind me, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Being resolved to follow through with a physical fitness program can be at best difficult. One of the major resolutions made on New Year's Eve by many people around the world is that of a working on diet and exercise. Six years ago, when I first started working out, uh, prior to COVID, I was working out at a gym in Lancaster. And in order to be there, I would have to be, leave my house about six o'clock in the morning. Go to the gym in downtown Lancaster. I live in Brickerville, so it's a drive. Uh, go to uh, Lancaster to work out. Then I'd have to uh, be at work by eight. And it, it, was, it was just tough. I hated everything about it. Uh, but I knew I had to be committed because for many, many years I had uh, deliberately let my body slink slowly towards death and do nothing. Uh, my attitude wasn't great, but I had made a commitment to my trainer, and I began to slowly see results. Little things. My stamina was greater. I knew I was gaining strength. Did I have to change my expectations? <laughs> you better believe it. When you're working in a gym with 20-year-olds and you're 70-plus, uh, you have to change your expectations really quickly. Uh, but something really interesting happened. At first, I couldn't figure out why, why I was there. But the longer I stayed with it, their attitude started changing, and they started to come around, stop what they were doing, to give me suggestions, to give me pointers, to encourage that determination. 
Again, we need each other in our spiritual walks. Staying determined in our daily walk with Christ is very similar to this. When I first prayed to ask Jesus into my heart, there were days I really didn't like the decision. I hated that many of the places that I would hang out, I had to begin to avoid. There were old friends and relationships I needed to rethink. Were they encouraging me to walk with Jesus? I wasn't keen on the idea of making new friends. A lot of you don't know this, but I'm really shy. Surprisingly so. Uh, and making friends is difficult for me. Uh, I, I'm just very, yeah, anyhow. Uh, it took a lot of resolve in those early days of being a Christian. And it took a great deal of seeking Jesus, going back to that heart issue, keeping my focus on my Savior. Lord, let me love you with the same passion with which you love me. Became my daily prayer. Yeah, I wanted to please my gym trainer, and I wanted to have their strength and stamina. And as a believer, I wanted to be determined to walk with my Savior through to the end of the race. How about you? Have you determined to allow his Holy Spirit to, as we're promised in Philippians 1.6, where it says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Physical and spiritual health begin heart change. We build on it with resolve. How's your heart this morning? How's your determination to walk with Jesus? And number three on how's your health and you probably may have guessed what it might be. The dreaded word, diet, nutrition. There is great truth in the simple sentence, we are what we eat. As if you can't tell. I'm from Lancaster County, and I love me my carbs. Give me buttered saffron noodles. Amen, hallelujah. <laughs> And I am one happy camper. And I'll say amen to bread and butter any day of the week. Don't even get me started on chocolate cake. If you get one of those cake mixes that is chocolate and you don't want it, I'll be happy to help you out. Uh, yeah. It took me a long time before I recognized that my trainers were nudging me towards making healthy food choices. I'm not doing real well. Uh, anyhow, in healthy nutrition is a struggle for me when dealing with physical health. It's outright war in my spiritual life. I'm convinced that poor spiritual health in America and Europe is because we lack the word of God in our daily lives. And it's not because we don't have access to it. It's that we're just not eating it. Simply put, the Bible is God's direct line of communication with us. Consider these words spoken by Jesus himself. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. The night before, the night he was arrested, he prayed in the garden and he prayed these words for his followers and for us. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. It's impossible 
to list all the verses in both the Old and the New Testaments that repeat over and over the importance of God's word. Paul writes in the, uh, these words in Thessalonians, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. When I hold a Bible in my hand, do I really believe it is God's direct line of communication to me? How am I doing with that? How are you? I say that I love God. My computer lets me know how much time I spend per week online. It would be interesting to have a similar monitor that shows me how much time I spend in God's Word each week. No, it wouldn't. It would be scary. And many times downright sad. Instead of spiritually feeding on God's Word, streaming, binging, gaming has taken precedent. I love college football. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there were a lot of games on TV. Stop watching the Steelers, Steelers because that was just too depressing. <laughs> then there were some major movies that started streaming. And I'm a reader, so for Christmas, I received at a minimum four books. And yeah, I've been doing a lot of reading those books, not necessarily God's direct communication with me. What I'm taking in daily affects my spiritual health. How is my spiritual determination to follow Jesus? Healthy or not? How's my spiritual heart's desire to follow Jesus? Am I passionate or meh? I've read John's Revelation. I know all about lukewarm churches. How's my spiritual diet? I'm so glad that you're here with me this morning in the theater and those of you online. But is this it? Is this my weekly snack on God's word? Several years ago, I saw a video that just smacked me on the head and said, hey, Foreman, do you love God's word like this? I believe it was one of the first or second times that I spoke here at Connectus that I showed that video, and I'm going to show it again this morning. Uh, I want you to see a village that had no access to God's word and what happened the day God's word was brought to them. Could we have that video, please? Father, guard our hearts. Help us to be followers of you, not just in our words, but in our deeds. Father, make us healthy Christians. Allow us to allow you to work in our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. You loved us. You called us. You saved us. And you want to use us to be a light in our community. Thank you, Jesus. Go with us throughout the remainder of this day. And again, Use us to reach Lancaster County. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.